1: Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This is a CBC Podcast.
3: You're listening to Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein on CBC Radio 1. Today's episode, The Final Frontier, in which time is travelled, space is explored, and David Sedaris sips moon
4: martinis. Okay, engine stop. Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has
1: landed. Roger, Tranquility. We copy you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot. I'm uh, step off the land now. That's one small step
0: for man.
2: For dear buzz long time no here hey what are you doing on the 10th? I double booked a speaking thingy at the Library of Congress on the same day I'm supposed to receive an honorary doctorate of astronautics at Stanford. Guess I'm getting old and forgetful, huh? So what do you say? Up for a speaking gig? The money's insane. I mean, even if they pay you half what I was getting, it's a crap load. Interested? If so, I'll have my girl put you all in touch. It's really been too long, old pal. Let's get together and barbecue some steak with the wives. And let's do it soon, yeah? Before they put a man on Mars, as it were. All the best, Neil.
5: Well, if it isn't my old commander, Neil Armstrong. The 10th, eh? Hmm, let me just check my calendar. Now, the 10th of what month did you say? Oh, wait. It doesn't matter what month because I have nothing going on at all, ever. Do you know where my last paycheck came from? A ribbon-cutting ceremony for a new space-themed fast food joint in La Jolla. That's what being the second man on the moon gets you. The SOBs made me dress up in a Buzz Lightyear costume. We're gonna go with the more famous astronaut named Buzz, they said. Make more of a splash with the kids. I still can't get the ketchup stains out of my spacesuit. Keep your charity. And do me a favor. Will you stop calling me Buzz? I hate that nickname you gave me. My name is Edwin. Signed, Colonel Edwin Eugene Aldrin, Jr., astronaut.
2: Excuse me, Colonel. Sue me. I happen to like the name Buzz. It was the name of my first dog, a cocker spaniel with a spastic colon. God, I love that mutt. Anyway, I suppose it is true. I was the first man on the moon, if that's the sort of thing you're keeping track of. I certainly don't. I find that kind of scorekeeping petty. First, second, who's counting? Like I always say, George Michael needed his Andrew Rigby, Daryl Hall needed his John Oates, and Neil Armstrong needed his Buzz Aldrin. No one mixed a moon martini like you did, old friend. Now stop being such a silly and tell Papa how you like your steak. Signed, the number one most popular space hero in the world, Neil Armstrong. P.S. Kidding.
5: Neil, you are not kidding. You know, I didn't fly 66 cobalt missions, receive a doctor of science in astronautics from MIT, spend 10 years at NASA, and fly to the moon to end up doing career day in the Aberdeen Middle School gymnasium. But that's my life. And why? Because I was shoved out of the way by some megalomaniacal jackass barreling down the stairs yelling firsties. If only the world knew what a schmuck their hero really is. You know, you're adorable when
2: you're angry. If memory serves correctly, you were terrified of moon monsters and begged me to go ahead and make sure the coast was clear. Anywho, as long as we're talking turkey here, that first step, oh, sweet mama. The feeling was not unlike the first barefoot step I took onto my parents' freshly shag carpeted rumpus room when I was thirteen. Second step, eh, seen it, done it, stepped it. Nope, nothing like that first step. It's all a dreadful bore after that. You know, fun fact. I wanted to do it while barefooting, but the jerks in ground control told me I had to keep my moon boots on. Stupid ground control jerks. The point I'm trying to make is that we can't always get what we want. But if we try sometimes, we get what we need. What I get may happen to be dinner this Tuesday night with the vice president on the White House lawn. And what you get is a Barker lounger, cardigan pockets full of Kleenex, and a book of word jumble puzzles on your lap. Big diff in the end.
5: We're both pretty lucky, I'd say. Let's give thanks. Neil. Again with the rumpus room carpet. When we returned to Earth, half your comments to the press were about that stupid shag carpet. You were first because you tricked me, Neil. I was taking the Nassau-required pre-extravehicular activity nap, and you promised you'd wake me up so we could step out hand in hand, together, But no, you didn't want to share the world's attention with anyone. Hand in hand?
2: Like a couple of old ladies trying not to slip on the ice? Like hippies? Oh, sure, maybe do a little sand dancing in the lunar dust while singing Mr. Bojangles? Stop being such a child, Buzz. Hand in hand. Yeah, that would have made a great postage stamp. A couple of men prancing around in a daisy chain like the Rockettes. I am an American, sir. Not a chorus girl. Now, I might be misremembering some, but didn't the bass request me to send in order of height? Guess you should have packed your platform moon boots. Get a grip.
5: You ingrate. Need I remind you I'm the one who came up with the one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind? And I had to convince you to use it. Do you remember what you wanted to do? Bring a box of Ritz crackers down to the moon's surface and say, Hey, I thought this thing was made out of cheese. Classy Armstrong. Real classy. I still
2: think my cheese joke was more memorable. Everything's got to be so serious with you science guys. Oh, one big step on the moon, one giant step for... See, I can't even remember it. And do you have any idea how much the Ritz Cracker people were going to pay me? I better stop because I'm getting myself worked up.
5: I am sick of standing in your shadow watching you get all the glory. Let me be blunt. I was an astronaut and you, a mere civilian, not to mention a scoundrel and a thief. You stole my step. You are nothing without that step.
2: Okay, buzzy boy, you asked for it. Here comes the straight talk express. Choo! Choo! If you hadn't been so busy napping through life, who knows? Maybe you would have been the first man on the moon. Maybe if you hadn't been such a sleepy dud in the boudoir, your wife wouldn't have had to seek out the comforts of a real man. A real go-getting, first-stepping, six-figure-speaking, gig-netting man. Not that I'd ever act on those bedroom eyes of hers, but I'm just saying. I'm a great guy, and it's time you stopped taking me for granted. Signed, Neil, my arms are stronger than yours. All the better to hug your wife with, if I was that kind of guy, which I'm not. Armstrong.
5: Huh. Funny. I mean, you're being here on Earth and all exchanging emails with me when you could have just as easily been floating around, dead, in space. Do you remember, Neil, how I saved your life that day? How you didn't want to leave the moon? What is there for me on Earth, you asked? My wife and kids hate me and the hippies are taking over the planet. With only a few days left of oxygen and a handful of orange tang, you wanted to colonize the final frontier. You had space madness, Neil. You were mad from zero gravity, mad from oblivion, but mostly mad from delusions of your own grandeur. Do you remember how before takeoff, I had to pull you back into the lunar module and buckle you in kicking and screaming? If it wasn't for me, you'd have died up there. That you don't remember. But fortunately, I have a memory aid. I still have that photo of you rocking back and forth in the spaceship, your thumb in your mouth, and the American flag wrapped around you like a trauma blanket. Maybe seeing it on the cover of the next Cape Canaveral newsletter will jog the old memory. Eh, Armstrong?
2: Okay, let's just hit the pause button, Kimosabi. Let's not do anything either of us will regret. Now, maybe I've been a little insensitive here. Maybe you're right. Maybe I could be a little more proactive about getting us double-built. Neil and Buzz at the White House. Neil and Buzz doing a cameo in the next Harold and Kumar movie. How does that sound? You know, Buzz, more than anyone else, it's you and I who should have perspective on how small the Earth really is and how insignificant we are in the grand scheme of things. Even our differences... Do you remember looking out the space shuttle window and seeing our planet out there in the blackness, looking like a lost little marble? It's us Earthlings, Buzz, who make each other feel big or small, and I'm sorry for making you feel petite. Now, why don't you just go on and tear that old photo up and hightail it over this weekend for the biggest, fattest, juiciest steak you've ever seen? I won't take no for an answer. I'll have my girl get in touch with directions.
5: Okay, Neil, sounds good. Thanks for bringing me back down to Earth, as it were. I didn't get into this business for the glory anyway. I got into it out of love for the great beyond and moon martinis. I'll whip us up a couple this weekend. Sincerely, Edwin Buzz Aldrin.
2: Great, and by the way, I'm being honored at the Smithsonian next Thursday and I'll be needing to make a speech. Think you can rustle me up another one small step? And if you can throw in the line about cheese, all the better. Thanks, old friend, Neil.
5: If you were to make first contact with aliens, what what would be the first thing that you would tell them?
1: I hope you come in peace. Welcome to this world that I live in. And also, if you have new discoveries for the cure of what we have incurable diseases, please bring it bring it forth.
5: You you would strike quite a formal tone with the uh, with the aliens.
1: I guess I do, yeah. Yeah.
5: Um
1: I, I, I don't know. I, I'm wondering whether, you know, if aliens came, I'm wondering whether I'd be shocked by the way they look because, I, you know, I'm assuming I'm going to be talking to somebody that looks somewhat like I do.
5: Yeah, a, guy, a guy wearing a, a fanny pack, yeah. jeans. Yeah. But it probably won't be so, and pr- it'll
1: probably be kind of shocking. Who knows if it'd be, he'll even be communicating with me in the way I do. Maybe he'll be doing it through uh, telepathy, who knows.
5: How would you uh, respond to being communicated through telepathy?
1: I guess I'd be a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe I'd get used to it.
5: And uh, Mom, you want to lean forward? You mind? Were you sleeping? No, I'm fine. Let's say you were the first contact with aliens that came from outer space. What would be the first thing that you would tell them?
4: I don't know, because I'm not the kind of person that talks about aliens. That's your father's speed, not well, mine. Well,
5: let's say, that, you know, through some kind of freak accident or whatever, they ended up coming to you. What, what would you tell them?
4: Hi, aliens. Welcome to Montreal. It's nice to have you here. Uh, I'd like to know what, what life is like for you guys. Life here is very uh, quiet, uneventful. I like to relax a lot. Tell me about yourself. What is your life like? I can give you some recipes and help you find an apartment. Uh, If you come live in my area, the rents are not so expensive, but you might want to be better located. So look around, and if you need help, call me, and I'll be glad to go out with you. We can have fun.
5: What kind of fun? What would you take them to do?
4: We can go to a movie. Hmm, I don't know what else we could do. What else is there to do? I go for a walk. I go to work.
5: And what would you tell them about mankind?
4: I think basically men are born good and they are good. It's just life makes you do crazy things.
5: Life makes you do crazy things. Can you say more about that?
4: Life makes you uh, lie and, and cheat and do dishonest things. But there are people that still maintain their goodness and their kindness and their honesty, even though life teaches them the same lessons as everyone else. They still maintain their goodness, and that's not easy to do. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it?
5: Seth Shostak, you're a senior astronomer for the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence Institute.
3: Yes, uh, we we call it the SETI Institute. We don't uh, spell out all the words, but you've got it correct. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Can can you describe your job at the Institute? Well, what we're trying to do is find life in space and not simply any kind of life, we're looking for the intelligent variety, and that means life that's capable of building a radio transmitter so that we can detect their uh, presence.
5: So, so you're, you're trying to reach uh, extraterrestrial
3: intelligent life through transmitters? No, we don't broadcast. This is strictly a passive experiment. We're listening. We're trying to eavesdrop. We have, you know, very big antennas, and we have receivers that are monitoring millions of channels at any given time. And and these
5: transmissions that you're hoping to receive, they can travel from light years away?
3: Yes, of course. I mean, (laughs) the radio waves move at the speed of light. They go right through the gas and dust that's between the stars. Uh, they, They move through space even easier than ordinary light, and you know that ordinary light can travel many light years. Just go out tonight and look at the stars, and you're looking at things that are typically hundreds of light years away, and you have no trouble finding them with nothing more than your eyeball.
5: Was there ever uh, a moment where where you all got uh, excited, felt like, you you know, you you were hearing something that that might be a a sign of life?
3: Well, we have had some false alarms, and they're exciting for a while, but but most of those are very quickly dispatched because we find out that they are just due to local interference or telecommunications satellites or whatever. Uh, But there have been occasions on which we've uh, found a signal that, at least for a period of hours, in one case more than half a day, look like it might be the real deal. None of them was, hmm. but that's a very exciting time, of course. Yeah, what does that What does that feel like? It makes you nervous. That's what it does. It uh, makes you terribly nervous because you realize that whatever you have planned for the next couple of weeks, couple of months, for that matter, a couple of years, all of that's going to change. And in fact, humanity is going to change because uh, humanity, in, in a sense, will never be the same again.
5: And, and so if, if you ever did make contact, what would you want your first communication to be? Like, what, what would you want to want to say?
3: Well, this is not communication, of course. It's not back and forth. If they're a thousand light years away, communication is going to be very tedious. But, you know, do you have music or do you have religion? Those are two questions I'd, I'd like to know the answers to those. Just ask them, is there a God? Is, is religion something that truly is universal or is that just a strange peccadillo of, uh, you know, homo sapiens? You know, as far as I can tell, canaries don't have religion. So uh, that's, that's why I would ask that question and I would be interested in the answer to that.
5: And so how likely is it, you know, that you'll ever get to ask those questions? Like, how likely is it that anyone is out there listening?
3: Well, we don't know the answer to that. What we do know, however, is that there's an enormous amount of real estate. I mean, our galaxy has a few hundred thousand million stars in it, and thanks to work of astronomers during the last 15 years or so, we now know that the majority of those stars have planets. Now, how many of those planets are the kind where you'd, you know, want to live? that have liquid water, for example, on their surfaces, oceans, if you will, or maybe atmospheres. I mean, we don't know the answer to that, but it looks like it's not unreasonable to assume that that's at least a few percent. And if that's the case, then the number of other Earth-like worlds, or worlds that could support life at least, just in our galaxy is measured in billions with a B. And uh, by the way, if you don't like our galaxy, we can see at least 100 billion other galaxies. So uh, there's so much opportunity for life that if we are really it if we're the smartest things in the universe then we're some sort of miracle
5: when you when you contemplate uh, the immensity of of the of the universe and all of the potential life that is out there does it make you feel smaller
3: no it doesn't actually um you get that question a lot you know as an astronomer doesn't uh, the the size and the long time scales of the universe kind of dwarf you and make us seem quite insignificant. Well, I don't know, we're clever enough to figure it all out, or at least a lot of it out, and, and that's rather remarkable. A uh, famous quote is, the, the most remarkable thing about the universe is that we can understand any of it. And we can. It's it's, it's amazing how much of it we've learned. Uh, and so, in, in a sense, yes, we're physically diminutive. We're not very large compared to you know, the size of a star or a galaxy or anything like that. But on the other hand, uh, unlike the stars or the galaxies, we do have this capability to look out there and and understand what's going on a little bit. And, and And that's kind of exhilarating.
0: Hello, time of your life vacations. How can I help you?
5: Yes, hello. I was looking to go on a little vacation, and I heard that you offer some good travel deals.
0: Yes. Yes, we have. Uh, we have a few great deals. Uh, you've come to the right place. Uh, are you looking for a romantic getaway or maybe a brocation with a good bro?
5: No, no. I was actually just uh, looking to get away on my own.
0: Okay. That's nothing to be ashamed of. So let's... Uh, right.
5: No, no, no. I'm not ashamed of that. Let's see what
0: I'm... we got. Mm-hmm. Just a second. Oh, I'm sorry. We're just so slow. This computer's been slow today. Oh, well, looks like we have a great special on a weekend in Manhattan in the 30s. Is that
5: interesting to you? Uh, A weekend in Manhattan in the...
0: It's New York in the 1930s. The package includes hotel accommodations in the heart of Times Square, dinner for two at the Roosevelt, and a mission to the grand opening of the Empire State Building, 1931. What do you say?
5: Now, when you say New York in the 30s... You, you're, do, do, is this some kind of historical reenactment travel package? Is this the first time you're calling? It, it, it is the first time, yeah. I uh, mean...
0: Okay, well, let me just fill you in a little bit. Mm-hmm. This is time of your life vacations, where you time travel to a destination of your choice. I mean, name your era, we'll take you there.
5: You'll take me there. So,
0: let's see. I mean, if Manhattan in the 30s, that's not what you're up for, and I, it's not for everyone, I mean, it's a bit dirty. How about a visit to the Italian Renaissance? The, I mean, that's a real favorite. People love it. They come back saying, oh, my God, the guided tour of Da Vinci Studio. It's fantastic. And you get a ticket to a wonderful, magical performance. And then uh, for $100 more, you can add your own stroke of paint to the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel while it's being completed.
5: That 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 is impossible.
0: No, no, it's absolutely possible. Who do you think added the two pack lives detail in the southeast corner of the system okay uh, no no I no I've I, since had the band school trips those kids no, no i mean crazy. I mean
5: time travel is impossible
0: haven't you seen back to the future
5: i yes I have seen it it's a movie it's not real so well, i mean it it seems to me that you know you're you're running some kind of scam excuse me well i i mean what
0: did you say i, I are you suggesting that i'm a some kind of crook? Well, I mean... I mean, if you bothered to check our website before you cold-called us like this, you'd see we have dozens of testimonials, we've never had a complaint, and we've never lost anyone in the past.
5: Okay, all right, fine. So, so what about the future then? Can I, can I time travel uh, to, to 2056?
0: Don't be ridiculous. You can't go to the future. It hasn't happened yet.
5: But if I want to go back and frolic with dinosaurs, that's, that's totally – that's possible, right?
0: Sure. We have a lovely safari adventure in prehistoric times. You get to ride around on a woolly mammoth and hunt pterodactyls. And then we have a roast, uh, kind of like a – it's kind of a luau with some Neanderthals who come out and do some fire juggling. And they're quite frightened of it because they've just invented it.
5: If time travel exists, mm-hmm. then why isn't it being used by, you know – Say NASA or something like that. Why is it being? Why would being...
0: NASA use it? Are there spaceships in the past? What? North American Space Agency, not Time Agency. That would be NATA.
5: But, okay. How, so now, how how, do, how does this exa- how exactly does this work? There's a machine. And what what principle does this machine operate on? I'm sorry, we can't reveal our technological. Secrets. Oh no, of course you can't. Under patent. Oh, I see. It's a secret patent. Sure, you understand. Oh, of course, of course, hey, listen, a secret patent. I don't like patent. your tone. All right. I mean, I, it, it's completely absurd. Okay, I've got the perfect package for you. Uh-huh. It's
0: called, travel back in time to before you were born and punch your own mom in the face so what? she never has you and you can spare the world of your horrible existence. That—that That is awful. How do you like that package? It's on the house.
5: That's a terrible thing to say to someone. How
0: about this? How
5: about I go
0: back in time to your grandmother's house and I scare her to death dressed as a giant bear? Does that sound like a good package to you? Because it, it sounds amazing to me.
3: On Wiretap today, you heard David Sedaris as Neil Armstrong in a story written by Jonathan Goldstein and Mira Bertwintanik. Mr. Sedaris's latest book, Squirrel Seeks Chipmunk, is now out in paperback. You also heard Buzz and Dina Goldstein, Seth Shostak of the SETI Institute, and Sean Cullen. Wiretap is produced by Jonathan Goldstein with Mira Bertwintonic and Crystal Duhame.
0: T-minus 15 seconds, guidance is internal, 12, 11,
1: 10, 9, ignition sequence start, 6,
0: 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, liftoff, we have a liftoff on Apollo 11, 32 minutes, time